This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. Hello, I'm Ros Clark. I'm the Associate Director of Church Society. And in this week's podcast episode, we're sharing some of the input that Church Society was able to give at the Bishop of Maidstone's recent series of regional conferences. We were invited to give a session on complementarianism in practice. I uh, spoke about true complementarianism and Kirsty Bequette also contributed a session thinking about practical ways in which we could do better at putting our complementarian theology into practice. So first I want to introduce my session where I begin by thinking about where we've got to in the time since the ordination and then later the consecration of women began in the Church of England. It's 30 years since the first women were ordained priests in the Church of England and seven years since the first woman was consecrated as a bishop. We are no longer actively fighting the battle on this issue and the Church of England is clear that it has come to a settled mind on this matter. That settled mind, of course, has expressly stated that those who disagree continue to be welcome and should be enabled to flourish in the Church of England. You may make your own mind up as to how well others have held to this commitment. But for now, I want to ask how well we have held to it. Have we, as complementarians, continued to teach complementarian theology in our churches? Have we been able to explain it to others who disagree with us? Have we embodied it winsomely and graciously in the wider church and in our own congregations? Do those who are too young to remember the debates of the 1980s and early 1990s really know what the arguments were about? I guess what I'm asking is, is this a doctrine which we only espouse when we are embattled or is it also a doctrine we celebrate in peacetime? Is complementarianism flourishing in your church. I've been wondering why we don't sing about our complementarianism, for example. Why don't we teach it to our children and young people? Why are we not praising God for making men and women to serve in his church, to relate together in marriage, in a way which reflects his glory and models his salvation plan? Or maybe we are. Or maybe we're ashamed to be complementarian in the 21st century. Well, perhaps it's not shame. Perhaps it's uh, thinking that it's maybe not quite the most important thing to be teaching and celebrating. And at one level, of course, that's true. It's not a salvation issue. You don't have to be a complementarian to be saved any more than you have to be a pedo-baptist. But if the Bible teaches us that complementarianism is God's best way for our lives, well, then, of course, we should be teaching 
and persuading and equipping people in our churches to understand that and to be obedient to it and to be glad about it. So I just want to make a few suggestions that may help to reframe our thinking about complementarianism in a more positive way. And perhaps I may dare to suggest a more biblical way. First, complementarianism is not about saying no to women. All too often, we define complementarianism by what women are not permitted to do. No, you can't preach. No, you can't be ordained. No, you can't do that. But here's the thing. I think complementarianism should be all about saying yes to women. Because if we believe that men and women complement each other, well, then we're saying that we need women just as much as we need men. We need the ministry of women in our churches. We need women to be ministering alongside men. We need men and women working together to reflect something of the nature of our triune God. We need men and women working together to offer pastorally sensitive and effective ministry to our whole congregations. Because we know that men and women are not interchangeable. And so we must recognise that we need both men and women. True complementarianism says a wholehearted yes to women in ministry. Well, second, complementarianism does not prevent women from using their gifts. Uh, this is from 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, and so on and so on. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is no distinction made between men and women in 1 Corinthians 12, unlike preceding and later chapters. Here Paul tells us that women as well as men are given gifts by the Spirit, all kinds of gifts, wisdom and knowledge, faith and healing. And these gifts are given not for the benefit of the recipient, but for the common good. The whole church is blessed when one person has a gift of teaching or administration or hospitality or whatever it is. The women in your church have all kinds of gifts. The whole church will benefit when they are equipped, encouraged and enabled to use them. Men. You need the gifted women in your church just as much as the women need you. And it seems to me that it's part of your role as a pastor to be helping everyone in the church identify their gifts, learn how to use them, and be given opportunities to use them. True complementarianism celebrates all the gifts women bring and works to find ways for those gifts to be used. And third, complementarianism is not sexism. 
What is sexism? Well, it is prejudice or stereotyping or discrimination, typically against women, on the basis of sex. Complementarianism is not sexism, and it must not be used as an excuse for sexism. Complementarian theology does not include a view of women as less able, less articulate, less valuable, secondary, weaker, or more vulnerable to sin. It does not include a view of men as more able, more articulate, more valuable, primary, stronger, or less vulnerable to sin. Because men and women are equally and together made in the image of God. Men and women were equally and together given the same creation ordinances to be fruitful and multiply, to rule and subdue. When Paul describes our salvation status in Galatians 3.28, he tells us that in Christ there is no male and female. Not that all distinction is erased, but that we are all saved in the same way, with the same status. If you view women as in some way lesser than men, you do not have the same view of them as Christ. And your complementarian practice is based on sexism, not theology. The Bible does, is not prejudiced against women. There are women in the Bible whose faith, courage, leadership, intelligence, strength and wisdom rival that of any man. And there are women in your churches whose faith, courage, leadership, intelligence, strength and wisdom rival or perhaps even sometimes outstrip your own. The Bible doesn't stereotype women. There are women who are wives and mothers, of course, but there are also women who will hammer a tent peg through their enemy's head and women who will murder their own grandchildren. There are women who use sex to tempt and manipulate, but there are also women, many women, who are victims of sexual violence. There are women who risk everything, women who transgress social boundaries, women who speak, women who bear witness, women whom God uses in all kinds of ways. The Bible does not assume that all women will want to run the Sunday school or serve tea after the service. What of discrimination? Does the Bible discriminate against women? That is a harder question to answer because, of course, we do think the Bible teaches that there are certain roles not open to women. In the Old Testament, women could not be priests, although they could be prophets. One woman was a judge. A, a couple of women tried to take on the role of the king, even if they couldn't have the title. And of course, that did not go well. In the New Testament, women followers of Christ were not included in the Twelve, nor were they appointed as elders, deacons or bishops in New Testament churches. That does seem like discrimination, and certainly some people will always see it that way. But it seems to me that if we recognise all of those roles as roles of service, and if we ensure that there are always roles of service, of equal work, available to women, well, that will mitigate substantially against the experience of discrimination. Similarly, it seems to me that if we ensure that women are equally able to access 
training for ministry and employment in our churches on the same terms and conditions as their male colleagues. That will go a long way to minimise the experience of discrimination. If the Ministry of Women, paid or unpaid, full or part-time, is honoured and valued by our churches, and especially if it is seen to be honoured and valued by the church leader, the experience of discrimination will be much less. So we must not be prejudiced against women. We must not fall into the trap of stereotyping women. And we must do whatever we can to minimise discrimination against women. True complementarianism values women as individuals whose ministry should be enabled and valued by the church as much as any man's. So, please don't be ashamed to teach your churches what the Bible says about women and men. Do show them that the Bible says a wholehearted yes to women in ministry. Celebrate all the gifts that women bring to your church and work to find ways for those gifts to be used. And value women as individuals whose ministry should be enabled and supported and honoured by the church as much as anyone else's. Coworkers is a new network for complementarian women in Anglican ministry. It's run by Ros Clark, Associate Director of Church Society, under the auspices of the Bishop of Maidstone, Rod Thomas. We'd love all women who are involved in any kind of ministry in the Church of England or any other Anglican denomination to join us. Co-workers will be a network where you can find peer group support, mentoring from older women, occasional online webinars on issues that are of particular relevance to women in ministry. We hope it will be a place for sharing information and resources about training and employment opportunities. Co-workers will include a Facebook group and also a regular email newsletter, as well as occasional online webinars and other events. To find out more about co-workers, please see the Church Society website, churchsociety.org, or search for us on Facebook. Our goal is to help every woman find the information resources and support that she needs to help her ministry to flourish and the whole church to grow. Coworkers has been running since last autumn. We have well over 100 women involved in various ways and we're growing all the time. Coworkers was established largely in response to Kirsten Burkett's research for the Bishop of Maidstone, which came out in 2021. In this next session, she explains a little bit about the findings of that research and gives churches some diagnostic tools for understanding how well they are doing at putting complementarianism into practice. Hello, I'm Kirsty Burkett. I'm a theological consultant for Church Society. I'm going to make a few observations about complementarian women's ministry in the Church of England today mostly based on the research I did for the Bishop of Maidstone early last year. The good news is that the majority of women who responded to the survey felt very well satisfied and very well supported with their ministry job. 
and no one replied in the not at all satisfied category. It's good to point that out because it's contrary to the narrative that a complementarian position reduces women's opportunities to thrive in ministry. On the ground, that's not what we see. Several themes emerged from the research. Complementarian churches give complementarian women freedom in their ministry. Women responded with comments such as, I'm not expected to do things I'm not comfortable with. I am wonderfully free to minister to women and children without being pressurised. It frees me up to disciple and train women. This is something we need to continue to point out within the Church of England. There are many women who, of their own independent intellectual and conscience conviction, hold to the view that Scripture makes a very clear and consistent complementarian position concerning men's and women's ministry. These are women who deserve for their views to be heard and respected in the Church of England. Complementarian churches allow them to get on with the job of doing ministry. It would be appalling for them to be forced into a context that they consider unscriptural and disobedient to God. Mutual flourishing means that these women deserve recognised ministries that express their biblical principles. It's very encouraging to see that complementarian churches are enabling women in ministry to do the ministry they wish to do. Another theme is that complementarian churches give helpful parameters to ministry. Comments such as, it gives me guiding principles for the extent of my role, or my role is clearly defined and I'm not having to work through what I should or shouldn't do. On the ground, this is invaluable. There's plenty of ministry to do. And women who are clear on their convictions do not want to have to keep fighting the same battles over and over as to what are the parameters of that ministry. They want to get on with doing the job. Another theme that emerged is, it means that women are valued. It was encouraging to see many comments along these lines. Some answers were, women are valued as equal, or I think it ensures my role is seen as important and valued. And again, I'm definitely seen in the staff team as a valid member of staff. I'm included in decisions and my opinion is listened to. And another theme that came out concerning complementarian churches was that they increased the amount of ministry done to women. I think teaching to women has increased in quality and quantity, one woman said. Or another, it means our church leadership is convinced women's ministry is worth investing in because they are convinced the church as a whole will benefit from this. It's heartening to see that there are many ways in which complementarian churches are encouraging women's ministry and helping it to flourish. However, the news is not all good. Women were asked, how is the complementarian stance of your church not helpful? 
Well, some answered that there was no way in which the complementarian's stance was unhelpful. There were several themes that arose concerning ways in which ministry is not flourishing. First, there are not enough jobs for women in ministry. One of the reasons I've frequently heard for why the Church of England does not want to ordain distinctive deacons is that there are not enough jobs for them. It's a sad reflection on complementarian churches if that continues to be the case. One woman commented, sometimes women's ministry is devalued. For example, despite there being many more women than men within the congregation, the men's worker is full-time and I am part-time. We have a large staff team with a disproportionately high number of men on the team, not all of whom preach, given the makeup of the congregation. When lockdown happened, I was furloughed while the men's worker wasn't. Or this one. It's not helpful when my minister makes comments such as, I took a hit hiring a female youth worker because I could get a man to do some of the preaching. One wonders if that pastor would say, I took a hit hiring a male youth worker because I could get a woman to be looking after some of the other young women. The question is, do we really value women's ministry or not? We claim that men's and women's ministries are not interchangeable. Well, that means that men cannot do women's ministry. It's necessary for women to do it. Women in the Bible are commanded to teach other women. It's not an optional extra, and it cannot be assumed, especially these days, that it will or can be done by volunteers. If a congregation needs a biblically trained employed man, then it also needs a biblically trained employed woman. Another comment was, we still feel more permitted than pursued. Often we're left to our own devices. The answer to any request may, may more often than not be yes, but the initiative doesn't usually come from the guys. We need to be demonstrating and men need to demonstrate that women's ministry is not the same as a man's and therefore needs to exist in its own right. This leads us to the next point. Women lack the job security in ministry that men have. There is not the same recognised pathway for ministry for women as for men. This impacts training and has a knock-on effect on how the job is valued and protected. Some of the comments. There's more of an obvious pathway or expectation for men my age. You go to Oak Hill, curacy, and then become a vicar who leads a team. That isn't as clear for women. Or another. The emphasis on recruiting and training men for pastor-teacher roles means historically we haven't thoroughly thought through how best to train female ministry interns. Or conversely, as a woman, and because I don't have an official status or a, or a theology degree, it feels like my input isn't valued, and so I feel like a lesser member of the staff team. If, as complementarians, we don't want women to be duplicating men's ministry, which we don't, then we need to get to work and create a different and equally secure pathway. The wider church won't do it. 
we are the ones who need to demonstrate that we value women's ministry in its own integrity. Which brings me to a third point. Women in ministry don't get paid enough. This became very clear from some of the statistics on pay that were gathered. As one woman said, complementarianism can be used to justify blatant sexism. I am paid roughly the same as my male equivalents, but they're given housing and have their bills paid. The question returns, do we value women's ministry or don't we? As complementarians, we claim to, but money speaks. Fourth, we need to explain complementarianism better. This is a theme that has occurred in many discussions I've been part of over the past year. Complementarianism is woefully misunderstood in the wider church. While we may decry the prejudice that means others fail to listen seriously to a complementarian position, equally we could do better in making sure our biblical position is explained clearly and coherently. It's hard to do and we all get tired of having to justify our position. However, part of our sacrificial ministry to the wider church is to explain and demonstrate the goodness of the biblical picture. Equal but different is all too often in practice unequal as seen above in some of the comments. Unequal in pay, in inclusion in church strategy, and in the way women are encouraged for their future. This can't continue. We have a wonderful vision of how men and women can relate and work together, something that the world is increasingly reaching for. It's great to see that in many cases this is being worked out in our churches. Let us continue to improve. So, some suggestions on how to do it. And I finish here with just some diagnostic questions that pastors might ask. Do you have a plan for the ministry that women might do in your congregation? How are you working out your ministerial responsibilities to the women and children in your congregation? Where can you see the need for a paid woman on your staff? If you already have paid women on your staff, how does their salary compare with the men on the staff. Realistically, is the salary comparable and fair? What are you doing to make sure the congregation understands the need for trained and paid women on the church staff? How are you caring for the women on your ministry team with meetings, encouragement and interest? Do you solicit their opinions on strategy and direction? Have you discussed with them the development of their ministries and their future paths? These are just a few ideas to get you thinking. Let us pray that as men and women together, we can thrive in growing ministries. Well, let us pray that indeed. There are more complementarianism resources available on the Church Society website, churchsociety.org, 
Under the main menu of resources, you'll see complementarian resources uh, on the drop-down menu. There are resources there to help understand what complementarian theology is, but also guides to how we apply that in practice in the Church of England, the five guiding principles and so on, and articles encouraging different kinds of women's ministry uh, and how we can better encourage and enable and equip women uh, to serve in the church. I just want to draw your attention to one further initiative from Church Society that is designed to help women be equipped for ministry in the church now and in generations to come. That is the Mary Veer Fund. Mary Veer was a an Anglican in the uh, 17th century who uh, studied as much as she was able to and supported clergy uh, in the ways that were open to her. And we've named this grant after her because it is a grant for non-ordained women seeking training for non-ordained ministry in the Church of England. It's specifically for complementarian women who are wanting to serve in a lay capacity. We've already uh, opened the fund and been delighted to have some incredibly generous donations. We'd love to increase the value of that underlying fund so that we can continue to make awards to support women training for ministry for many years to come. If you'd like more details of how you can support the Mary Veer Fund or indeed how you might apply for a grant, please do go and see the Church Society website. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.